Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest makes bold, bright paintings, light-filled photographs, and bite-sized essays about possibility, perspective, gratitude, and wonder. Please welcome Emily Gaines Dembski. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, I, I like some of the, the, the latter part of there, possibility, perspective. I have some questions about that. Um, but I want to open it up in that uh, that way that some people are like, I can do the whole podcast this way. And other people are like, can we get f- from this part to the next question? Tell me about yourself. How do you uh, what's the uh, the Emily Gaines Dembski story? How do you how do you get here? Where, where are we where are we coming from? That's a that's a, that's a big question. Right? I know, right? Question. But here's here's what I'll tell you. So when I was 25, three things happened in quick succession in the span of a couple months. My father died. My maternal grandmother had a massive stroke that left her paralyzed and bedridden. And I gave birth to my first child, my son, all in the span of just a couple months. And my whole life was turned upside down. I had been working in arts administration. I left my job. Um, And let me just back up and say this. So the Thanksgiving, so Thanksgiving before my father died. So this is... um, Thanksgiving 1998, we always ask everyone to come to the table prepared to say what they're thankful for. And most people say like the cranberries or my family. So that year, my father was really sick and he came with this handwritten page um, that has become like our family's Thanksgiving prayer. We read it every year. And it included the words, I am thankful for the blessings of life and love and for the lessons I am privileged to extract from my trials and tribulations. And that became like the frame for my life. So my father died, fast forward a few months, my father dies, my grandmother has this stroke, I have this baby, my life is turned upside down. And I was determined to follow that example. What are the lessons that I'm privileged to extract from my trials and tribulations? So sort of tilted me in a new direction and um eventually that led toward my creative work wow thank you thank you thank you for sharing that I'd, uh whenever there's like something that comes from the the personal side and it's definitely something that that resonates we we all have families we all kind of like as we're recording this we're in november so that's something that's yeah. also top of mind as well yeah. And um, even coming out of the last uh, few years with just being more aware of all of the stuff that goes around us and having that, I think, in some instances, collective reset. I thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's true. And I think I think in the last few years also, we're acutely aware of our personal and our collective trials and tribulations, right? Like it's so present for us now that we everybody struggles, right? Everybody struggles. You never know what someone else is dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to, um, you know, early on, you know, you mentioned arts um, administrative work um, being in that sort of like lane. Uh, what was your first experience where like art popped for you? Like you were like, oh, there's there's a painting that I liked or, you know, I was like eh, you know, coloring a little bit. What was that first experience with art for you? No, that's a great question. And um, so I do have this like image of myself at 11 in the driveway with these like this glitter, but no. (laughs) Um, So my dad was a painter. He was a lawyer by day and he was a watercolor painter and a poet by night. And I think I never identified as an artist because he was an artist and he made like 
the kind of watercolor paintings like of a still life where you can see the reflection in the copper kettle like super realistic yeah. and so that was art in my mind and i didn't identify as an artist until much 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 later but he had this big blue art bin with all the supplies and i had a little blue art bin <laughs> and i would like sit beside him and you know like little sketchbooks and watercolor so that was really my first those are my formative memories of making art besides the glitter <laughs> that that's that's really cool um i always think back to uh i got this um my my grandmother used to like really sew like a lot of different stuff and to the degree mm -hmm. where she made um clothing out of like old um like like adult clothing for my brother and i's teddy bears that's so cool <laughs> so I, I remember she took a bag that my dad had when he was younger and she took different bits of fabric from uh he, he was a he was he's a veteran so different bits of fabric from maybe a duffel bag from the marines what have you and um made my art bag for me so all of my art materials would be in there so it's like taking from my dad's childhood and you know some of his stuff growing up so i had all of my because i wanted to be a comic book artist uh all of my old color pencils and art books and wizard, you know, wizard magazine and all of that stuff in there. And that's, that's pretty much how far I go back and thinking about it, like sketching and trying to do that stuff and having these bags at times, if you see me in person, this is going to really resonate at times bigger than I am. So, wow. <laughs> so wow. yeah, you know, just a but lot of, awesome. lot of stuff. Cause then yeah. we carry, we carry those generations with us. Like that's all part of our story. Yeah. Yeah. What are, I'm always interested in learning about like imagination and, and creativity from creative. So what are some of the things that fuel your imagination? Cause I, I recognize in, in reading over like some of the, doing some of the research that, you know, there are maybe imagery that comes from, and we'll talk about a little bit later, um, but imagery that comes from maybe experiences and things of that nature, but in terms of the imagination and how to present it in a certain way, where does that come from? Yeah, no, great question. So um, I do tend, I, I paint typically, I paint flowers and horizons and horizons, I call them horizons, like landscapes with big sky, usually. Sure. Um, and I paint those two subjects because for me, they are the ultimate symbols of hope and possibility. So the flower grows out of the little seed that's buried beneath the surface of the earth in the dark and then pushes through that soil to grow up into the light. Like for me, that is, that's what I aspire to, right? To come out of that darkness and grow into the light. And then the horizon, like it's the, it, the expansive possibility. So for me, those are the things that fuel my creativity and that's where my imagery comes from. And it, you know, Lots of times I will paint with flowers before me and lots of times I am painting those. They are, you know, they are not necessarily the tulip, the sunflower, but they are flower and it is representative. Like that. So when when you come to that, that point where you're comfortable with using the term artist, right? And, that, and that's the thing because uh, it, it's, it's interesting, like, I've had people tell me, oh, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, I'm just a dude that has a microphone. It's like, you're an anthropologist, you're an artist, you're doing all types of stuff, you're a journalist. I was like, sure, I guess. And and it's like, I'm all of that and none of that or, or what have you. And um, audio artists is another one of the things that are out there. And my perspective is, is that of an artist. And I think having these sorts of conversations help kind of fuel and help like impact that realization. 
how, describe like your relationship with the term artist, how you view yourself as an artist, things of the sort. That is, I mean, that is, was a journey to get there. I am, I don't have any degree from an art school. I don't have credentials as an artist. Um, so it really took a lot of work to get to the point where I could call myself an artist. And lots of times I'll say I'm a painter because it seems easier than saying I'm an artist, even though my work goes beyond painting. Um, so I submitted my work to a gallery for the first time when my kids were really little. And I remember taking this folder with a CD to the gallery. And I remember picking my kids up from school that day and they get in the car. And I said to them, like my daughter was in preschool, I think like three or four. And I said, today I did a really big, like I submitted my work to this gallery. And even if they don't want to show the work, like I feel like that was like, I was successful today because I did this hard thing. Um, I think it's hard to like claim that label um, without, you know, without some, I think it's easier if you have an external like stamp, like here's my credentials. But if you don't have that, then it's about claiming it for yourself. And I, I believe Rob, that we're all artists. Like when people say I'm not an artist or I don't have any creative abilities, I don't believe that. I believe we all have it. It's just how we express it. And so it was a lot of work to get to claiming it, but I think, you know, showing work in a gallery, selling work, receiving money in exchange for the work, it helps to give myself my own credentials, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, that that's that's important because um that sort of credentialing process, if you will, it it's it's not always the most inclusive um situation and it's based on folks individual tastes and so on and you have these notions of king and queen makers and that's fine and there's a place for that but also i think you know who's doing work who's consistently doing work and you know i I go to this um this this quote or maybe it's paraphrasing but this this piece from like sam jackson and he's he's talking about like i'm an actor because i've come from a family of people who are working you know, that are always working. So I'm always working. I'm always acting. That's my job, my vocation, my calling. So I think that desire to do it, like, you know, like for, for instance, the recognition of doing a podcast as art doesn't really, we're not quite there yet, but I'm working on stuff all the time. I have a process. I go about it. It's certain things that seem more and more like an artist, but it's not in that approved upon definition yet. Right. Well, and again, I would say that's an external definition, right? right. And we get to make we may get to make the definition. I mean, I would say, I'm guessing, tell me if I'm wrong, but for you in the work that you do, and I know for me in the work that I do, it's about the way we see the world and the way we interact with the world and the way we express what we see in the world. And like conversation is art. Yeah. Lots of times, I mean, I I became an artist and a mother sort of simultaneously. Like I sort of embodied the notion of being an artist as I was becoming a mother. Sure. And there were lots of days where I wasn't making any art, but like the um, but dinner was the art, right? If I made sure. it, or the brownies were the art or yeah. the you know, the bread that I baked or whatever, like there were other ways of expressing that. And I feel like conversation is one of those. Yeah. I, I, there's, there are some people to do bad conversations. It's like, what, what are you, what are we talking about? It just goes nowhere. It's like, Oh, ah, huh. so, <gasps> so 
from where you started and, and we're talking you know about like you know this this journey a little bit you know you touched on earlier from where you started and kind of like exploring in these sort of nascent stages of exploring art to where you're on now let's let's talk about some of the um the the milestones in that that period or what have you maybe in education maybe in experiences that um served as that sort of supplemental education because not everybody goes to art school obviously so and and also i wanted to hear about maybe if you have an exhibition or an event that you know that you may have attended and you know, you've seen like yeah i'm doing what i should be doing I, I like this person's work. This is informing me. This is helping. This is this is serving me. Tell me about that. Okay, so um, so it's it's like super recent. The okay. way I answer is super recent. I mean, I could tell you about others in the past, but sure. Joan Mitchell exhibit at the BMA this summer. Did you see it? I I, I missed it unfortunately. I was so busy. <laughs> okay, so I went. Rob, I'm not kidding you. I went every single week for like the first four months. Like I just felt like I was bathing in her paintings. Yeah. They, to me, feel like an expression. She painted she painted a lot of flower. There's a lot of flower imagery, sunflower imagery, but it's very, very, very abstracted. And it felt to me just like this expression of flowers or this expression of what I was, what I am always trying to express in this most fundamental and organic way i just i i loved that exhibit that was a really good one that's wonderful that is that is wonderful um i think when we encounter something that it just informs us it's just like you know if i were to go to see it in, in, in terms of my my lane or the thing that i'm pursuing it, I, I go back to when i had a conversation with lafontaine oliver or even um Aaron Hankin or even Sam says I've had to put my light on <laughs> or any of the folks that are in the sort of like radio space and the you know sort of that storytelling space. It's like, wow. Oh, you know, they may have found that question impressive or, you know, listening to them talk about it, it's like, oh, there is a path that this makes sense for me. I don't feel like I'm faking it. Or I don't feel like I'm an outsider and, and things of that nature. And um, sometimes kind of getting that it just gives you that newfound confidence, I guess. I agree. And I think also seeing how other people express themselves yeah. expands for me my idea of how I can express myself. Not to say that I want to do what she does or do what he does, but I see, oh, this is something I've never seen before, right? It, she's doing her thing the same way I'm doing my thing. And and it, um, it it's kind of empowering in a way to remember, mm -hmm. like, this is my journey. And there are so many other journeys and mine's, you know, mine's before me. Yeah, I, I'll make a ridiculous reference here because I'm filled with ridiculous references. Uh, one of the shows that I got really into was um, the show Hannibal. And um, I just remember Will Graham's character just kind of like, you know, framing out what a particular crime scene might look like. And he'll say, this is my design. And that's what I find myself doing all the time. And it for me, it connects like this is my process. This is how I'm going about it. And I don't know, just being able to hold my own in a conversation with people who are doing wildly creative things, some sometimes of which I have no idea what they're saying. I was like, yeah, yeah, go on, tell me more. And it's just like, wow, this is this is great. And I think just being around it, being in a company of creatives, it, it's going to pull something out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Rob, one of the things I love about what you do is that you do it 
your way. Like you record however many you record, you put, like you have as many conversations you have, like, you know, lots of people are recording or putting out once a week or twice a week or whatever. It's like, you're doing it your way. That's the idea. I have to remind myself all the time. The idea is for me to do it my way, not anybody else's way. All those other ways have already been done, right? This is my way. It, it makes that, you know, that uniquely sort of Emily approach, it makes it that much more of it. It's like, this is the way that I'm doing it. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So, so I read you describe your work as reminders. So can you speak more about the meaning behind that sort of description? Yeah. So I feel like uh, the world, the way I see it, the world is reminding us all of the time that it is hard and scary and mm. dark and very much not the sort of vision of the world as I wish it were. The headlines, the news, the social media posts, like there's just so much hard in our lives, in our communities, in our friends, in our in our city, in our country, beyond. And for me, my, my paintings, my writing, all of my work, I hope reminds us that there is brightness. There is beauty. There is goodness. Even when it seems so dark, we can go through that soil to find the points of light, that the points of light are there and, and we can set our gaze to those. So that's what, so that's what I mean when I say reminders, I'll just expand on it and say one other piece, Rob, which is that I believe we get what we, what we honor, you know, what we hold up. And that we have so much like, you know, our our movies, our, our television series are like so much like death and destruction and violence. And, and I get that there's a hero story in that also. But I think that if we want more goodness, we have to elevate more goodness yeah. Yeah. and that we can do that, um, that, that that's in our power. And so that's really part of my part of my message. And that's what I mean by reminders. I dig that. I dig that. Um it's, it's, it's three instances that come to mind recently that uh, I have a friend who is a podcaster as well. And I, I do, I'm a, I'm a strategist. I have the, that sort of approach to how I go about things. And, you know, I'm on a call with him and his team and, you know, they're like, why do you want to help him? I was like, cause he's my friend. That's the thing I want to do. And just, it was just natural. It wasn't like in, in my, in my impulse in many instances, how can I help? How can I make this process easier for somebody? And, sometimes some of the weirdest responses of like pushback or nah, bro, or what have you. And it's like, I'm just earnestly helping. That's just a thing that I'm, I, I'm interested in doing because I always have three or four or five different ways to go about something. And it's like, here's something from the toolkit. And I remember uh, speaking with someone relatively, you know, high up person in this sort of media space. And we, we had, you know, moved a meeting a couple of times. He had a few things that presented themselves and just had to reschedule. And when we got connected and we actually, you know, got together on the call, he was just like, yeah. So, you know, I just wanted to get an idea. What, you know, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, you know, I dig what you're doing and I wanted to chat with you and maybe learn a bit from you kind of sort of mentor capacity or have you. And he's like, wow. He's like, people don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, he was like, I don't give out my number here, please take my number. Let's let's stay in touch. And we talked, you know, for a guy that's very busy in this sort of president role that he's in, in this, this organization, he he gave me like 30 minutes of his time, you know, and 
and I and I recognize in doing this, um, doing these these series of podcasts, and then the rate in which I'm doing it, people like time is a commodity that we don't we don't have a lot of, and I try to be as mindful of folks' time and understanding. It's not always reciprocated in in that way, but more often than not, it is in communication, right? And we kind of, as you were touching on a little bit, I think with the social media component, um, I'm going to hide your messages. I don't want to see this message. It's like, communicate, talk to a person, have this sort of connection. And the last thing I'll say in this regard is it's kind of, one of the things I've told told people about and say, like, oh, are you trying to scale this? What are you what are you trying to do with this? I say, like, I'm here to make friends, man. That's, that's literally what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I and I, I mean, I love that, but I also think from my perspective, you're building community, like you're creating community. But I got to Can I go back to one other thing you were saying? Sure, please. About the, um, I had a professor in college. My freshman year, I took Introduction to Theater, and the professor used to talk about how he ran a small. I guess in his previous life, he had run a small community theater outside of Minneapolis. So in Minneapolis, there's the Guthrie Theater. It's a huge regional theater, well-respected, well-known. And he said, people used to say to him, but you have this competition. Like, why are, you know, don't, how does that work? You have this competition. And he said, good theater begets good theater. Mm. It's, mm. Right? Good podcasting begets good podcasting. Good artwork begets good art. Like, we, the more we elevate it, the more we create space for it yeah uh, yeah and so that that kind of brings me to it because i think i was i was circling around a little bit let's talk about uh what is a flight deck yeah <laughs> so, okay so the flight deck is my creation it's 28 cards deck of cards um on on one side there's artwork it's fragments of my paintings and on the other side there are um, actions, really simple actions, questions, and affirmations that you can say to yourself or out loud. They're all designed to help you, help me, help anyone when we're feeling stuck, whether it's like cranky, bad mood, can't get motivated. Like you just notice you're in a headspace that you can't shake yourself out of. Yeah. So simple things like, um, Sit down if you're standing up and stand up if you're sitting down. Open the window. Go outside. You know, uh, what's the good news? Like, tell me the good news. There's always some good news. Tell me some good news. So, you know, really simple things that can be used either one a day for 28 days or shuffle the deck and pull a card or tape one to your bathroom mirror or like put one in a note you send to a friend. I created this because... That was my own practice. Like that's what I would do when I was feeling stuck. Yeah. These are my my thick tools for myself. And I created it in the fall of 2019 when stuck was an idea, right? Like, like what does it mean to be stuck? And it resonated and like sold out the first printing, sold out the second printing. And then fast forward to March of 2020. And all of a sudden, everybody is now <laughs> stuck. Yeah. And it really like helped me and helped a lot of people through that time just sort of remembering that we are we may feel stuck but the tagline for the flight deck is shift your perspective shift your life and you know it helps you do that that's that's great that's i, I dig that um and, and i may have added a couple rapid fire questions as a result of that <laughs> just so you know <laughs> um so uh, th this this is ne necess not necessarily in the same vein but i think it's worth asking 
shifting perspectives, right? Have have you had a time to maybe experiment with um, other art practices, other mediums, things of that nature? And was that in taking that shift, was that something that maybe improved maybe the, the painting, maybe the photography, maybe the writing? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Good question. So, um, yes, in lots of different times and lots of different ways, some by choice, right? Like I had a period of time where I was experimenting with encaustic monotype making and it was great in that moment. And I loved doing it. And I ultimately realized like this is not my path forward. It was but it informed what I did other, um, you know, when the pandemic started, um, I moved all of my working to the dining room table in my house. So I went from like making big paintings on wood panel to making small paintings in watercolor at my dining room table. Um, and I feel like we always learn something like any limitation we give ourselves creates new opportunities and new pathways. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I did a whole series once where I painted only with my non-dominant hand. Lots of things, you know, I like to, I like to experiment. It's, it's almost as if you have the questions in front of you, because this next, this absolutely goes into this next question I have about limitations. Because um, I, I kind of read about that where, you know, the, the Dr. Seuss story of I'm only going to use 50 words in this in this book. And it's what green eggs a ham or cat in a hat. I'm not quite sure, but it was a bet. Or um, sometimes I like to add in goofy things of I'll quasi purposely forget maybe a card or for my, my primary recording device if I'm recording out of studio. And I'm like, how am I going to MacGyver this one? So my problem solving part of my mind kind of kicks in. And then it opens up new questions and like, damn, what, how did they do that? You know, I wonder how they do that. And now it gets into a deeper, richer sort of conversation with the guest. What sort of limitations? And, and you touched on a few, like, you know, it's painting with your non-dominant hand and such. But what sorts of limitations do you do you put in? Like, you know, do you often find yourself kind of going back to like, yeah, I only want to work in this color or only want to do things of this size or this scale? Tell me about that. Yeah. So I do like I have given myself limitations of these are the colors or this. Everything's going to be in this size for a period of time. Um, but the thing I've done that's been the most unlocking for me has been um, time defined projects. So I've oh. done a number of like for 30 days, I'm going to do this. Um, so I've done that a few times. That was hugely transformative. I've done six times. I've done the 100 day project where for 100 days in a row, I do something and like transformative on mm. so many levels. But I would say, um, the fact that you have to then push through the monotony of it, like you're like through the muck to get to the other side where the treasure is kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, that for me has been huge. Yeah, it's, I, I always think of the variety pack of oatmeal scenario. No one's taking every flavor in that pack. We're all ignoring the raisin flavor. Nobody wants that. It, it's, it's apple cinnamon and brown sugar, you know, all the time. And that's the way I look at the colors or the different choices that we might have. Like, I've tried to curtail how I go about this, this podcast. Um, you know, there is very rare that I do an hour long interview. And the purpose is not to do the interview that ends all interviews. 
you know, yeah. it's an interview to kind of get the the guest at a moment in time where something may be going on, something's new, and potentially we go back and talk again when there's another big thing that's happening or another thing that's small or another thing that's just interesting. And, yeah. you know, I think once I came to that realization, because, you know, as you probably heard, I've been doing podcasting for a very long time and not having those sort of uh, bumpers around me and be able to just really do it my way. But I think redefining what my way might look like and limitations are baked in there. And um, sometimes even going to it, I don't even write questions sometimes. And and I remember at a point um, there, it would be guests that say, oh, I don't read the questions anyway. Send them away. But I'm not going to read them. And I'll like, say, oh, OK, cool. And I'm like, oh, so we're just going to free jazz it and, and improvise and see what we get. And, you know, those interviews, I can tell and not everyone listening can. But I can tell it's like, yeah, I I prepared, but I didn't write Did any I questions. Freeze? Did you freeze? No, no, we're we're good. Oh, we're good froze. here. <laughs> we're good here. And you know, I can I can recognize that those those instances, um, when uh when when questions are kind of like written out and even at times when I feel like the 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 answers to those questions were a little bit more rehearsed than authentic and kind of just like out there. It's like this is off the cuff. This is all contrived. We know that. But, you know, I think when a person may get a question in a different way, I was um, I was on a panel. I was moderating a panel the other day and we had all the questions. They were all kind of scripted out. And there was a panel with actors and I threw in one curveball that none of them had. They were like, oh, yeah, actually, I do have something to say about that. And now is the point of the moderation that it turned because I, I really don't do moderations. And I was, I'm not, I don't know if how good I am at, it. I'm something that's something I'm developing in, but once I was able to rest on what I do and kind of work within the parameters of what I have, I was able to show my true self and what my skill is. Yeah. Yeah. I had a painting mentor who said, painting is letting things happen. Mm. I definitely tend toward like, I'm going to control this and, you know, but I, I, I mean, I practically like say it to myself while I'm painting, like I am letting things happen yeah. rather than making things happen. Like I can make things happen all day, but this letting things happen is the, for me, the arts in there. Are you a doodler? Um, I'm a doodler. I am a, um, I'm a write, like I write a lot in school with a, I use a fountain pen and a notebook and I write in script. It's very, very messy. That's really just like dumping things out yeah. of my head. So you can't really go back and read what it says. That's kind of my doodle. Yeah. Um, and then I do, I'll like sort of like rough sketch things sometimes, like if I'm, you know, bored in a meeting or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I find myself drawing either faces or like, 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 not, I guess not sigils. I, I just think of the Game of Thrones, like, you know, emblems or what have you. I find myself drawing something that's reminiscent of that. So, you know, bored in a meeting. It's like, uh, and then I look at I, it later. Yeah. Always flowers for me. It's always flowers. Like it's either those like loopy words, yeah. those like, loopy scribble or it's flowers. So here's the last real question that I got for you. And I got some rapid fire questions after this. So pursuing art and, and I've really been in this book about uh, called death of an artist. And so if you haven't read it, I'd recommend checking it out. Um, Pursuing art isn't easy uh, with with big business and, and kind of getting in the way and expectations of uh, current uh, constantly consistently pushing out content versus actually making art. There is a difference, obviously, you know, there's a timeliness, there's a meaningfulness, there's work that goes in through it. And 
you know, it's not to say that content isn't that, but content are two different things. And it's hard for an artist, you know, how can artists be successful with those as just in the background all the time, those two main pieces in the background all the time, this push to always be putting stuff out there and, you know, billionaires saying, this is what art is. And this is how your art's going to get seen on social media. Great question. And if I had the answer, Rob, <laughs> we'd all be rich. Um, I, you know, there is so much noise. There's so much noise and I have to block it out for myself. Like I have to go off of social media, stay away from that, you know, go on sometimes, but not go on other times. Um, and really like operate from the place of what do I, what do I have to say? Like, what am I trying to express? What is the reason that I am sitting here with this paint or this pen or this camera? Like, what is my expression here? And I have had to really divorce my expression from the reception my expression receives, um, right? Like commercial success, I, I don't know how to answer that question in terms of like how we do, you know, but for me, the success as an artist is to authentically produce something that is meaningful and then to put it before other people so that they can respond to it. And sometimes for me, that second part is the harder part than the producing, right? It's the like that vulnerability of I now put it before you and you're going to have a judgment about it, but like divorcing it from the way it's received and just letting it be the offering for me, that's where the um, like, that's where the inner success lies. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And, and I think what happens is follow that noise that's out there and the other things that make a part of it that mm, I don't know if bad actors is what I wanted to use it as, but let's just for, for brevity's sake, let's just call it bad actors. That's going to get washed away. Authentically, authenticity always kind of like prevails at the end of the day. And when you see it and you're like, I don't know if that person is really making good stuff. And it's like, show me, show me your work. How do you do this? What's your process again? Oh, you're just the face that's, that's arts, that arts behind or what have you. <laughs> Well, I think another thing I have, I remind myself of often is that no art is going to appeal to every person, right? right. Like somebody hopefully will respond to what you put out, what I put out, what he puts out, what she puts out that it impact, if it impacts one person, that's success. If it, you know, if it's a ripple in a pond and then that person impacts another person, that's success. So for me, it's also remembering that it's not about the number of likes or the, you know, the number of red dots in the gallery show. It's about having my work be in relationship with people. I love that. And it is, I think that's a good spot for us to stop because we keyed in on reminders again. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So with that, I, I want to move into some rapid fire questions. I have as many rapid fire questions now as my real questions. So thank you. Okay. I'm ready for uh, it. So brevity is key here, as you know. Okay. And um, so I'm going to start off with what is your favorite flower? Okay, I know. So um, well, the tulip. All right. Are, are you driven more by curiosity, passion, frustration, or, or something else when it comes to your work? Curiosity. What is your favorite time to work? It can be a time of the year, time of the day. Springtime. It makes sense. Everything is in bloom, right? Uh, aside from money, because um, money is too obvious, what would you say three things that, that an artist needs? Time. 
space um, and um, confidence. Yeah. Time, space, and confidence. Uh, what is the most powerful word? Because we can't forget the the writing component of your, your practice. What is the most powerful word at your disposal? It can be English. It could be another language. If, if you speak another language, what is the most powerful word at your disposal? Love. Tell me some good news. Ooh. Um, <laughs> tell you some good news. Um, tomorrow is election day. And we have the chance to vote for the world we want to live in. And lastly, what was the card that you pulled today? Ooh, uh, open the window. That's why I had to go close it right before we started. Open the <laughs> That's great. That's great. And um, I want to thank you for, for being on this podcast. Get gratitude, gratitude uh, for being on this podcast. And um, I want to invite and encourage you to uh, tell the listeners uh, where to find you at, where to check out your website, your social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Wonderful talking with you. Um, I have a website, emilygainesdemski.com. And on Instagram, you can find me at Shining Egg. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Emily Gaines Dembski for coming on to the podcast and chopping it up with me. Um, it's great to learn more about her work. And for Emily, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around your neck of the woods. You just have to look for it. Oh,